0: we are in the mood for fantasy football with your week seven waiver report we are pro football network i'm your host bj rudell with me as always is tommy garrett you can reach me on twitter at bj rudell you can reach tommy at tommy garrett pfn and we have uh uh, rebooted our uh, fantasy pfn uh, twitter account And uh, it's got about 2,000 followers, Uh, Tommy and I and John Katz and John Helmkamp, uh, all of us writers with Pro Football Network, are managing that Twitter account almost 24-7. So feel free to reach out to us there as well. Uh, Tommy, uh, I have a dilemma. I've got two receivers on bye this week. I don't have much of a bench. That's it? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, I got to dig deep. I got to find a receiver who could help me win uh, is there anyone you can recommend who are going to be on a lot of people's uh, waiver wires who you think uh, no one's talking about or a few people are talking about who could pop?
1: I mean, the waiver wire of this is like bringing a plate of bacon to a bar mitzvah. There's a lot of options that no one really is going to take advantage of. No one really wants um, if one I might look at might be like Alan Lazard. Uh, he was one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets, a guy who we always kind of thought was going to break out for like these past couple of years, but doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But but at least you can probably maybe fit him in. Uh, this week going up against Washington, who's that's a defense that is nowhere near uh the expectation that we had this year, and and Green Bay Packers are starting to look like the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he caught three of his five targets last week for twenty-seven yards and a touchdown. He was actually the only Green Bay Packers receiver to find the end zone. Uh, last week there's a chance he could try uh, he could try to build on that he's probably only rostered in probably less than three percent of the leagues last time I checked so he's a, a potential lad and you can always look on the other side of that game uh Diami Brown because we know with how good of a game that Ricky Seals Jones and JD McKissick had they had that because they're lacking options at the same issue that we had in New York uh with the Giants uh, he had six targets, caught three of them for 30 yards. So it's, it's, you're trying to find volume plays. It's hopefully a guy that can maybe take a deep shot. These are guys who are going to probably get a little bit of a I mean, further A dot than like you're someone like a Hunter Renfro, who kind of works up more towards line scrimmage, a Deontay Johnson. Um, hmm. You're just, you're trying to play for the just give me a home run ball on some of these right. guys, if you're pointing looking for a deeper shot, because everyone who's getting volume and targets are probably already rostered in a lot of leagues. So with these guys, at least they can get those deeper shots. They've got quarterbacks who will take advantage of that. And they're in some halfway decent matchups. So I would maybe take a look, maybe someone like Alan Lazard, maybe Tommy Brown.
0: What about Nico Collins? Uh, we, we've yep. talked about him offline. Um, I, I, I understand that you've been following his career uh, for some time. Is he somebody who could carve out a role as a, higher volume desperation play against Arizona this week.
1: He could. Um, Cause the big thing with, with Houston is they're just going to be trying to keep up um, and good luck keeping up with the Arizona Cardinals who still remain the only undefeated team in the NFL. And, and you're right. I have, I'm a Michigan fan. I've always kind of watched Nico Collins. That was career, And someone I've wanted to see kind of take that next step that he never really took when he was at college, but he had a decent game last week, uh, caught four or six for 44 yards. Came off the IR. Uh, he was on their FRA shoulder injury, and his two games before that in weeks one and weeks two uh, had two receptions on four targets for 39 yards. The issue with Houston is the only sure bet is uh, Brandon Cooks. That's your only we know will hit. Right. after that, it's a bunch of possibilities and, and upsides. If you're going to take a shot, at least take a shot on the guy who has some upside. Yeah. We haven't seen him flash too much, but we're we might be able to see something going here after he comes off the IR. So you got Nico Collins take a shot. This is a team that's going to be playing in garbage time a lot. And when that is normally a good thing for fantasy managers.
0: And the key for fantasy managers is not to overreact when someone you've never heard of has a huge game. Don't Uh, chase more. Yeah. Don't chase points. Chris Moore, two weeks ago had a huge game had a career year, career game for his career. He had like 280 receiving yards and he got like one something. Yeah. 105 in one game. And I know some managers were rushing out and saying, oh, I guess Chris Moore's the number two, but not realizing Nico Collins was getting activated and that he's the guy who the team is looking at for 2022 and 2023. Mm -hmm. They want to see if he could be a number one. Chris Moore is not the answer in Houston. So when you've got a team that's going nowhere and you've got a young guy as talented as Collins, you can't count on a a journeyman to carry the load for very long. Yeah, and it also goes back to
1: the offseason because they were pretty enamored and a lot of the beat reporters were giving a lot of high praise to nico collins in the offseason so it was just this probably would have continued and happened earlier in the season if not for the shoulder injury so it's just we're just now picking back up to where we were in the summer and then preseason now so yeah collins could be a guy who's going to be a pretty valuable player here coming up here pretty soon
0: and two other receivers to talk about, Jamal Agnew and K.J. Osborne. Osborne is probably rostered in a lot of leagues. Uh, he's doing tremendously in fantasy, mm-hmm. Minnesota's number three receiver. Um, so my first question is, can he keep that up? And secondly, is Jamal Agnew officially on the radar as you know a weekly streamer in Jacksonville?
1: I think um, we'll start with KJ Osborne. KJ, I think it's he's got the potential to keep this up, especially in this offense. Like we know the pecking order. It's it's pretty clear. Um, Justin Jefferson, then it goes to Adam Thielen, and then it's KJ Osborne because we've been waiting we wanted to see who's gonna take this over. First it was gonna be BC Johnson, then there was a chance it's gonna be Amir Smith Marset. We always we never knew who the number three was gonna be. Um, but KJ Osborne he's kind of been doing this now for the past like three or four weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, in four of his games, he's seen six or more targets with three of those uh, seven or more targets. He's playing roughly 60% of the snaps. Uh, if you're looking back at his last game had six targets on had six uh, receptions and seven targets for seven eight yards and a touchdown. If you look over his last couple games, 26 receptions um, for 331 yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. on 35 targets like that's not an insignificant sample right. size. Um, that's something that I think fantasy managers could absolutely target. they they probably going to rely on because Kirk Cousins is playing some decent football. Um, and as far as Jamal Agnew goes, like it's kind of that who's replacing in that DJ charcoal, um, because we they still can't use LaVisca Chenault apparently because granted he's salvaged his game with a deeper play, but up until that point, like he had been absolutely, he'd done nothing uh, yeah. for them in London. And it's, it's very surprising what they're doing with him, or I sh- I should say not doing with him. Um, you've got some decent play out of Trevor Lawrence here recently. It's especially that Marvin Jones, because the best play for them right now is once they're inside the 35, roughly, and they're in plus 35, it's throw that little nine route corner uh, to the corner and let Marvin Jones go up and get it. Because uh, mm. the majority of the big plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars have all come on that exact same route. Um, and Agnew has done a decent job of finding he's playing that veteran role. He finds that soft spot in the zone and gets open for the rookie quarterback. Um, like I said, had 13 targets, 11 receptions, 119 yards in his last two games. Man. There could be something to go for as long with that, and so long as they keep utilizing him in the offense, which doesn't seem like they're going to stop anytime soon. Uh, the only issue with both these guys is they're on a bye week this week, right. um, so you're you're picking these guys up on the hopes that this continues um, and they start develop. They use these next you know week and a half, two weeks to really more embed these guys into the
0: system further. Two things to comment on. Tommy brings up bye weeks. Uh, you might find tomorrow that someone in your league cannot keep uh, a player who's on a bye week, even though yeah. that player might be a decent player. So you might see in your league someone having to drop Osborne because mm-hmm. they just desperately need guys who can fit in their lineup, especially if you if you only have like four bench spots or less. Yeah, you just so keep an eye on that. If someone's dropping someone on their bye week. Um, it, they're pretty desperate uh, for a win that week and you can snatch somebody up. The other thing I'll mention is we're talking about receivers first because in the background here on my background, um, it goes uh, uh, you can't see it all, but it's 30 plus point weekly scores by position since 2002. What it shows is wideouts um, and recently quarterbacks have started getting a lot more of these big plays. And we talked about it a little bit, I think on yesterday's podcast. Than running backs. So if you're looking to fill a flex spot for a you know a desperation throw basically uh, in your in your league this week, you're better off just picking up a desperation receiver than you are a desperation running back in most circumstances. The desperation running back, you know, might only get you five seven touches, and you're hoping they get a touchdown. But a desperation receiver might get five or seven receptions, and you never know. I mean, look at Kendrick Bourne the other day. Mm -hmm. Never know if they break one open you know, a, a, a miss on defense and suddenly they're off and running. So you you don't get that kind of latitude with a running back on most cases. And that's why I wanted to make sure we're focusing on receivers first, because that's where the best desperation plays often happen um, uh, in, you know, the way the scoring just works out. Um, let's jump into quarterbacks real quick. There's two, Tommy, I want to ask you about Carson Wentz who's still available in a lot of leagues because people just don't buy into Carson Wentz. The other one is Cam Newton, who was just reported the other day that Seattle head coach Pete Carroll has been talking to different quarterbacks about potentially coming in. No surprise, given that Geno Smith is not the answer, and also given the fact that Russell Wilson uh, wants out after this year. So Pete Carroll isn't just looking for this season. He's also trying to figure out who's my quarterback next season. Mm -hmm. Is Cam Newton somebody who could find some playing time and make a difference especially in an offense if he goes to seattle with tyler lockett dk metcalf is this a case where cam newton is a must add in deep leagues if you have the space yeah um
1: i just want to throw one more name out at receiver uh it's just i just remembered it yeah um check michael gallup um with him he had the possibility of coming back off ir uh you were just talking about in shallower leagues he might not be rostered because of the bench Check Michael Gallup, see if he's out there because he would be an absolute must add in this Dallas Cowboys offense. Come Great back into their wide receiver three. Um, in he terms could be a top of 30, Cam Newton. Yeah.
0: top 30 receiver, if, if things break right, he could be a top 30 receiver the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, exactly. With how good G- Dak Prescott is, one, yeah, out, he could be a top 30 receiver. Yeah. Um, in terms of Cam Newton, um, on this offense, it's it, you wouldn't have to change the playbook too much to fit someone like his skill set because it's a guy who has an arm. And he also is mobile. It kind of fits what Russell Wilson does with his ability to get outside the pocket. And quite frankly, he would be getting another quarterback who is used to getting hit because quite frankly, that's all Russell Wilson has done throughout his career. The next man up in that list is Cam Newton because he got hit all the time, but he had the body to be able to take it. Um, you're giving him some great options on this team. You know, you've got Gerald Everett at tight end, but he, the two main options are going to be DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, the question is, okay, what is this time away done from him? Because, He's barely played now. Um over the course of the past couple of seasons if you go back That's to like right. when 2019 uh when he had his injury, he played last year but in a whole different offense and it's just when was the last time we saw Cam Newton in the version that I think he would want to put out onto the field? Yeah.
0: Was it 2017? Um, was that the last time that he was uh, maybe? Yeah. Uh, so I while. think it's some it's people one of those things weren't where, even born yet. So that's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I
1: don't, I don't know what the Seattle Seahawks would be getting out of it. Um, and quite frankly, would it be an upgrade over Geno Smith, who just p- took the Pittsburgh Stewards to overtime? Like, I granted that's not saying a lot, but he played decent enough to get them through at least this year. Um, so you, the issue for the you, Seahawks is that they don't have a first round pick. Like, right, you keep trading right. away all your, your first round picks. So you're going to have to try to go for a veteran quarterback out there somewhere. So if you can't get a pick, then Cam Newton might be the best option if they don't want to wait until maybe the second round to draft someone because it's not a great draft class this year.
0: Right. Or um, trade for Andy
1: Dalton. Uh, that's um, always a possibility. Nick Foles. Let me throw yeah, him back I'm out afraid. there, too. Um, right. I, look, Mitch Trubisky. Um, he's never going to see the light of day in Buffalo.
0: Do you, um, you think it's a, a sidetrack here, but it's a good one? Do you think the Bills, the way they're built, I would think they'd be scared to give away Trubisky cuz I think they know who they have in Trubisky. He's Trubisky is deceptively good in the running game. When when mm-hmm. Chicago let him run, what was it? 2018, I think it was. I think he ran for 300 400 yards. Like he was a he was a good two-way quarterback and it seems like Buffalo would be holding him close the way Josh Allen just like the way he went for it. Mm-hmm. on that what third third down and long and he ran and he just and he leapt yeah the second to last play and he leapt over yeah. the defender yeah it was on but the third down by the goal fearless line. but he's also an injury waiting to happen so it mm-hmm. I, 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 i'm i'm checking with you to see is trubisky one of those guys who's untouchable right now in buffalo or do you think there's a, a price that buffalo would take
1: i think there's the very game? few guys in the nfl that are untouchable um everyone has a price to to be to for to a certain extent um the question is if Seattle would be willing to match that because um, there's several quarterbacks out there right now who you could probably trade for, but the teams aren't wanting to make an offer or a run at him for various reasons, um, especially looking at, looking at Houston, which you basically, I think right now we're also giving him a little more of the benefit of the doubt after seeing the struggles and uh, Chicago with like Justin Fields and everything else. Like, okay, yeah. maybe it wasn't Mitch yeah. Trubisky's <laughs> fault. Like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe it wasn't you because <laughs> we saw him already in this Brian Dibble offense, like in the preseason, like he looked fantastic. Um, So I think there was a little bit of, of a hype surrounding him. Like, okay, we all kind of owe Mitch Trubisky an apology. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they want to get rid of him. I'll put it that way. They're not going to actively shop him. Right. But if someone came around for the right offer and they could get something out of him, then I think they were going to listen to it. Uh, I think it'd be worth exploring,
0: regardless. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they want to get rid of them. Uh, and I, I don't think know they that did Seattle something. And I don't know that Seattle has anyone they want. Uh, it it just seems like the the question you know is getting more into yeah. NFL territory than fantasy. But no, know, no. It, it would be interesting to see if what Seattle could offer that would make Buffalo go. Yeah, that makes our team considerably better. You know, mm-hmm. like they're they have a pretty complete team. Even though yeah, they're, they're already ready. pretty good. Yeah. Um, Carson Wentz real quick. Any thoughts? Is he is 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 last couple weeks been a fluke? Or is this the Carson Wentz from what 2018, you know, his heyday when he was a, a top eight fantasy quarterback when healthy? Does he have the right combination of players in Indianapolis, where he can be a top 14 top 16 guy the rest of the way?
1: You're never going to get MVP level Carson Wentz again. Uh, I think that was a, a fleeting thing, and it was great to see. You're getting a guy who's definitely getting better, and it that helps when you have two non-sprained ankles. Like a, right. Life generally goes better where you can actually walk without a limp. Um, and I think that's why you're seeing him playing better over these past couple of weeks, because that's when his health has progressed. Um, look, last week he only attempted 20 passes, but that's because the Colts decided, hey, let's, we, we have Jonathan Taylor. Right. I remember that you, now. You forgot that, to use right. him. Yeah, like you use Jonathan Taylor, even though for the first half, they only gave him like three touches. Um, I think it's one they're going to focus on really using him. Um, uh, And the week before that, we saw him go off, uh, had a massive game, like 402 yards. Um, and the, the thing with Carson Wentz, he's limiting his turnovers. And I think that's the best thing for him right now. He's got nine touchdowns, only one, one interception. That keeps those drives going. That like keeps the Colts getting into scoring, the scoring range. But that also keeps fantasy points racking up when you stop giving the ball uh, to the other team, yeah. he's getting T Y Hilton back, although he's dealing with that quad injury now. So we'll see what happens then. But I think more importantly, he's getting Quentin Nelson back here soon. Uh, he's the best guard in the NFL, and that's yeah. only going to help the protection for the Canes for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they get San Francisco this week, they're 25th against the Col- uh, against the uh, quarterback position. So I think you're going to see Carson Wentz probably go back into that. He's going to be a, a weekly quarterback too, for the most part, uh, especially here in bye
0: weeks where, yeah, it's, it's getting rough. Yeah, it's getting rough. You got to dig deep. Running backs. We have some really interesting ones. We're going to roll through them. Uh, Chris Evans uh, seems to be the backup for Cincinnati. Brings a lot of versatility to what, you know, in terms of the passing game. He did it in college. He showed it uh, last mm-hmm. weekend. Um, uh, J. Perrine hurt. Is Chris Evans, somebody who fantasy managers like me, are starting someone like AJ Dillon and Mike Davis at my uh, one and two running back position. Cause I've overloaded at receiver by choice. What do I do? Do I pick up Chris Evans and go for the home run?
1: I would still go with Mike Davis and, and AJ Dillon over Mike, over Chris Evans. If we're just talking about those three players in general, cause they're, they're getting use in their offense regardless of what else happens on the depth chart. Um, and that's, those are more high volume plays when I think at a certain point, like at running back, take the higher floor where receivers you can take a little bit of a shot on the higher upside Um, because oh, you okay. don't want to all of a sudden walk out of a week with only, you know, 1.4 phase points on
0: your running back position. Cause that's yeah. really going to hurt you, which I did um, last week. Actually you, you read my mind. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I had uh, uh what was it? Dylan. And I had uh um, whoever I, it wasn't Sonny Michael. He would have gotten me more points. Uh, I, I put in Jarek McKinnon who got me, I think okay. 1.4 points. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, the question with, with Samaj P. Ryan is I, I should say, like, with Chris Evans, like, when Samaj P. Ryan's come back, because he's been off because of the COVID, because he'd been on the COVID list. So, once he comes back, does he all of a sudden just go right back into the RB2 spot? Um, yeah. like, for as good as he's been playing, like, do you still leave him that spot or all of a sudden you bring back P Ryan, you know, who saw, you know, 11 carries in week five, which was a, a season high. So they were actually giving him some usage in this offense. So I think that's the question. It's because I just don't really know how the Bengals depth charts are going to shake out. I think um, the answer to give it. you,
0: I, Yeah. I, I think Evans is one of those guys. Don't follow the points, right? The, yeah. The, the situation. He's got the P. upside, Ryan. but so I don't think it's going to be stable. Right. That makes sense. What about Kenyon Drake, new leadership with the Raiders? Drake finally gets loose a little bit. Josh Jacobs looks more plodding than ever. Yeah, uh, is I think that I think
1: kind of nailed it when you talked about the the change in the leadership um, because you're you're now looking at a new a new offense for the most part. And so what you had with, like the John Gurdon era versus like what's going to be going forward with Bryce Saatchi. like how are these offenses going to differ? Because um, Drake actually had some decent uses; he had six touches, uh, including two receptions on Sunday, but he totaled seventy-three yards and two touchdowns. That's not an insignificant number. If you go back for the first three weeks, he had 11 touches, 12 touches, then 11. But over the last three, he disappeared with uh, one, three, and six uh, uh, over the last three. They yeah, exactly. It. But he, And that was going on while Josh Jacobs was dealing with an injury. Right. Um, so it Barber's wasn't even like that. Right. Exactly. It was, it was dealing with a foot injury. Um, So I think it's worth, you know, Kenyon Drake, if they're going to keep giving him usage, hopefully it's more touches because this is not sustainable, like 73 yards and two touchdowns on only six touches, like outside of Cordero Patterson right now, like no one else can actually average this and do it sustainably. And even that's still fleeting for the most part. Um, So but if he gets back to the 11 to 12 touches per game in this offense, yeah, I'd absolutely be adding uh, Kenyon Drake on this offense. And a
0: reminder about Drake. 27 years old had back to back 50 reception seasons um, while being kind of a a part time bell cow, not even a full bell cow. Like he mm-hmm. he is a guy who could average, and he did it the first couple weeks. I think he had five receptions each of those first two games. He could single handedly get you 10 points, even if he's not involved much in the rushing game. If they just use him as you know a supplementary type player,
1: I mean, this is um, a guy not too long ago that literally single-handedly won fantasy managers their championships after his trade to Arizona. And last year, like a lot of people had him pegged to be an RB one um, in fantasy football. It didn't work out because you had chase Evans get more involved and Kyler Murray doing Kyler Murray things on the ground, but it's, it's not a guy who all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, this is coming out of nowhere. Like he has a bit of a pedigree to where if they give him some run. He's going to steal some cuts from touch from Josh Jacobs.
0: Switching gears, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, What do we think? He finally uh, uh, broke loose a little bit. Uh, Is he a waiver ad and start against the jets this week? And I'll start by saying also, I have an article out on PFN from yesterday that talks about Ramon J. Stevenson. So I want to see, does Tommy agree with me? He got some work. Um, but I think it was less than what we might have been
1: expecting, or we thought could have happened based on the fumbles that we had from the week prior, and also the chess injuries for Damian Harris. Like, even in a game where it didn't seem like Damian Harris was going to be the standout guy, he still gets 18 carries for 1-1 one and, one and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, Stevenson does find the end zone, ends up going uh, five for 23 on the ground. I actually like the fact he got a little bit more work in the receiving game. That's kind of that was surprising. Uh, caught three for 39. Like we expect that to be more like the Brandon Bolden. Uh, J.J. Taylor role so I think that was kind of surprising maybe that's where he can kind of carve a role into this offense I don't think he's ever going to pass Damian Harris um, given that we thought what could have been a questionable situation for kind of this game clearly Bill Belichick this team like they're fine rolling with him he's going to be never better than probably the RB2 unless an injury takes Damian Harris out on this raw offense you're in a deeper league of flex play yeah maybe it's just you're relying then at that point on that receiving work because he's not going to get enough volume on the ground, especially once he's inside the red zone, to probably make it worth it.
0: Very good. And he, just for the record, so for this week, I think he's my favorite desperation starting running back. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's not so much a desperation anymore because he did do well last week. But against the Jets, this this is a game that could get out of hand if the Patriots do what they've done the last 11 times they've faced the Jets. Most of them have been blowouts um jets are just still not a very good football team uh and the patriots uh really were impressive against the cowboys last week i think they'll get better as the season goes on the jets give up
1: the number one amount of face points to running backs
0: wow well there you go so uh, uh there is a good chance that this game could be out of hand by midway through the third quarter and then we might see belichick let stevenson loose Exactly, and that could be that could be uh, dangerous in a good way. So keep that in the back of your mind. It's not just about chasing points. It's not about you know who's going to get the most touches. It's also game flow and figuring out by the later later points of the game who's most likely to just get fed. And and Stevenson fits the bill on that one. Uh, uh, the opposite is true in Miami. Uh, Salvan Ahmed is he anyone? who people should be picking up and hoping to scrape out six points.
1: Uh, you set the bar really high at six points. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> um, the thing with Miami,
1: it's this is just such a mess in terms of how they're using guys. I mean, you go off a week before where they give Miles Gaskin a ton of reception, we give him a ton of targets because obviously you can't run against Tampa Bay. And then last week, you know, Gaskin gets five, Malcolm Brown gets five, and Ahmed gets ten. Um, if you look at it on the season, Gaskin he's got uh 63 touches, 32 of those are our targets. You've got Malcolm Brown 32 touches, four targets, Ahmed 28 touches, and then 13 targets. It's just a bit of a mess. And if you're on a bad team, backup running backs aren't necessarily going to get you a lot of volume. Um, if it was a good team that I was able to establish the running game, then yeah, you might be able to get something as they work in rotation. Um, if you're interested, well, like the New York Jets. I I'm, I'm sorry with the uh, New England Patriots, where if you're going to get ahead of the Jets, you can use these guys later on in the third into the fourth quarter. Where you're kind of giving your some of these guys a spell, giving them a little bit of a break. But Miami's not going to be leading in games to where they can take advantage of this. Um, so for me, I'm I'm worried when it comes to using anyone outside of Miles Gas. And I'm that's not even saying I'm not worried about him because um, he's now down into like that low end RB two range, even in a week like this. Uh, you're pushing that pushes Ahmed into like to the RB
0: four, um, like I said, on a week like this, it's not someone I'm excited about. Good. Well, if Tommy's not excited about him, then there's your answer. So two more backfield. Maybe, maybe
1: it's because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Who knows? But no, I someone, think I, I'm, I sure, think I'm Miami, sure his
0: mom is excited about him. I'm sure. Yeah, someone that's, else. That's is. fair. enough. Maybe just not me. But I think with Miami's back backfield, if you're rooting for Miami's backfield, you're always waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. Um, Since going back to Lamar Miller. Uh, uh, Seattle's backfield, Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. If Alex Collins, who at this time of uh, recording this, is questionable for next weekend. If Collins sits, is Rashad Penny, uh, activated, uh, former number one pick, played well when he started his career, hasn't really played much since. Is he a guy who fantasy managers can reach for and feel like, let's go for it?
1: If you're taking that home run shot, Rashad Penny is probably the only running back I feel is worth taking a shot on in Seattle. Um, granted, he's he's coming back from injury, and you never like seeing that because you always wonder, okay, how are they going to get worked into it? Pete Carroll at least sounds optimistic about him, saying he goes full go. He's one percent, but I mean, Pete Carroll sounds optimistic about a cloudy sky. Uh, he's just he's just one of those guys. Um, the matchup isn't great against New Orleans. Um, they're number eight against fantasy running backs. They're only giving up like twenty point four points per game. And like I said, this is no longer a Russell Wilson led offense. Um, Alex Collins did very little up until like the third into the fourth quarter, when right. it seemed like that the Seattle defense, the Seattle offensive line, had worn down and tired out the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you would be reliant on that happening again. I think. I mean, Penny can play well. We've seen it. It's just a matter of. He's got to be on the field to do so. It's a guy who's struggled with injuries. Um, maybe they would have been better off, you know, drafting Nick Chubb over top of uh, Rashard
0: yeah, Penny. When let's they did let's bring that up again. Yes, that's right. And the same goes actually for Bill Belichick, right? He went with uh, with Sonny Michael, Michelle. Yeah, Sonny of, Michel. Boa, yeah. Instead of Nick He went Chubb. with the other Georgia guy. There's a lot of, you know, and then we talk about Pat Mahomes uh, playing for the Bears if his career mm-hmm. would have been ruined if uh had yeah. gone with him instead. But anyway... Uh, that's, that's a good take on Penny. He is a, he is deceptively risky if he's named the starter, if Collins sits, because we just don't know what to expect from a guy who has done so little in the last three seasons, yeah. um, on an, on an offense that is clearly struggling to move the ball. Um, with the exception of Collins in the second half last week, but that seemed more of a fluke than a sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Um, finally Cleveland's backfield, Demetric Felton, Dernis Johnson, if Nick Chubb sits, do we go with Felton uh as, as a confident top 25 running back? If Chubb plays, is Felton in any way a streamer?
1: I want nothing to do with this for the most. If I can avoid it, I'm hoping to avoid it. Um, because the issue like with Demetrius Felton is that he's not even received a carry this season. It's been all of his work has came on on targets, um, which I think can help fill in more in that Kareem Hunt role. Like you're very much relying on Nick Chubb. If Nick Chubb plays he's going to see virtually every single touch and carry and snap that the Cleveland Browns can throw his way, Uh, which is never a good thing for a guy coming off an injury. You normally want to try to wean him back, but they don't have the luxury of doing that this week. Yeah, yeah, I I don't want to rely on him, but I I feel way better about him than I do like someone like Dearness Johnson, who I think fantasy managers are still scarred from last year when they all believed that he was going to be the next big thing in this exact same scenario. And he goes and fizzles out after wasting, you know, 50 to
0: 70% of people's fab. Best. um like you can play people, him yeah oh i heard some people took out loans on their fab spending God, years <laughs> in the future just to get johnson and well uh,
1: maybe that's going to keep him from spending heavily on him this year because those credit card that, bills do true. come due <laughs> uh because even if he does play you're playing up against the denver broncos and the broncos are one of the best defenses yeah. in the nfl and one of the worst matches for fantasy uh so for me it's i'm going nick Chubb or bust if you're in a 14 league plus and Kareem Hunt is out, which obviously is going on. He went on the IR. Um, yeah, you can take a shot on Felden, but you're just hoping he gets PPR work. He's not going to get much in the rushing game. Like a guy I would probably look at going more so would be someone like, you know, look look, look at Le'Veon Bell um, with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Nice. Uh, yes. Going up against Cincinnati. You've got Latavius Murray, who's banging up, who had to leave the game uh, with an ankle injury. You don't know who's going to necessarily get the ball in Baltimore, but at the same time, like there's enough volume going around to where it can be Le'Veon Bell, it can be. Um, uh, Freeman. Freeman like it can Devontae be Devontae Freeman. Freeman like you've got Lamar Jackson doing his thing Tyson Williams wasn't inactive was he was a healthy scratch last week he's so I mean yeah Le'Ve- odd yeah I mean but it's for, uh, he's done that a couple times now this season uh, where he's been a healthy scratch levy Le'Veon Bell we touched the ball you know eight times for 18 yards he finally got his first touchdown of the year so I would look more towards someone who I think could get a role in a better offense uh, than I would and who I think has more talent as well so for me I would go someone like Le'Veon Bell over like Dimitri Feldman.
0: So in terms of strategy, there's a big takeaway before we sign off: is that you take someone like uh, Salvin Ahmed in Miami, and you take someone like Le'Veon Bell in Baltimore. Yeah. You might look at their touches and see that they're, you know, maybe they're likely to get the same number, but obviously it's apples and oranges because if Baltimore is putting up 30 plus and Miami's putting up 10 to 12, there's your answer. You're just playing yeah. the percentages and you're hoping that a Baltimore running back gets one or two touchdowns, and then you're hoping it's Bell. And that's a better big thing is too,
1: like not every touch is created equal. Like there's some teams that are inherently going to give you better opportunities. Like there's a reason like the Cleveland Browns, they're number one in the NFL. Like I should say in fantasy of fancy points per touch to running backs. They were at 0.88, right? So you're putting, but putting Dimitri Felton in there, isn't going to give you that same efficiency. Whereas the Miami dolphins, we're looking at the exact same, the exact same depth chart. They're 30th at 0.37 fancy points per touch to running backs. Wow. they are who they are. Then you go to the Baltimore Ravens. They're eighth at 0.63. So you're moving someone out and just moving those guys up. But I don't think there's a massive drop-off in talent. Like, you're, look, you're still looking at guys that are all kind of in the same talent window. They're going to get the same opportunities. Like, this offense, it's kind of is who it is. So I, mean, I would choose someone like that over, like I said, going with Miami um, or like even, like I said, even with Cleveland because, like I said, it's the talent is either a massive drop-off or the team itself isn't changing
0: who they are. Very good. I like it. Um, it's been a pleasure again, Tommy, uh, and pleasure to talk with all of you listening. This is again, B.J. Rudell, Tommy Garrett, Pro Football Network. Find us on the website, profootball, profootballnetwork.com, fantasy football page. We've got new content every day, a ton of it, uh, and also on Twitter, Facebook, etc. cetera. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you Friday.